Salutations! Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from Woodsboro High School, discussing the 1996 satirical slasher, Scream. The film was written by Kevin Williamson and directed by the late, great Wes Craven. The film was something of a game-changer for horror in the 1990s and provided a desperately needed recharge of the genre. With its ensemble cast, biting commentary, and iconic costume, the film became a commercial and critical success, spawning several sequels over the years and attaining cult status. So, what were your first impressions on the film? I remember when I first watched it, I did like it, but the more I watched it, the less I liked it. Really? I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, that's um, fine. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I just didn't... Like, even when we watched it, I just a lot of problems for me. It's not a perfect film. It's not. And I would never pretend that it is. That being said, it will probably always have a place in my heart because I was really young. Like, we watched it when it... It had to be when yeah, it came out. It came out in 1996, so I was five. I was seven. So I was eleven. <laughs> I outside of Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah, this is the first horror movie I genuinely remember watching yeah. for the first time. So it's always going to have that special place in my heart because sure. it kind of kickstarted the love of the genre. And I, Scream. I just remember watching sense. the hell out of it, like oh, even countless times watching it for the episode. I remembered all the lines. I remember, like, it's like we watched it over and over and over. And there's stuff that you don't, like, appreciate when you're 5, 6, 7, 11, whatever. That watching it as an adult, it's like, oh, that's, I see what they did there. No, yeah. So it's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving in that way. So is this, this is supposed to be a real movie, right? It's not like a scary movie type of thing. It's kind of a mix of both. It's a satirical horror film, so there's a lot of meta jokes and flat-out humor, honestly. Oh, yeah. But then there's also, they're also trying to be pretty grisly with a lot of these deaths and stuff, so they're honestly- It's a good mix. They're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, with this movie. I guess. I just, and I know you guys are both probably going to crucify me because you did last (laughs) time when I said I like white chicks. I feel like Scary Movie did this better. No. It scary was, movie was making fun of this. Yes. Without no, this, there would be no scary movie. That's what I'm saying, though. They were also like, scary movie we can do this ridiculous. better than you did. I, I, no. I, remember, I would rather watch Scary Movie than watch Scream. Because you're goofy. Well, of course I am, but that's why you married me. So okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the movie's garbage because it's not, but I just do have a lot of problems with it. And I understand that. Like uh, we like we said, it's not perfect, and there's a lot of stuff that I am going to critique. Just, I, I'm sure you will, too. We all have stuff to say, but it is said with love, and it's said, no, yeah, in my just, case, and I'm sure your case, yes. T, it is nostalgia, respect, and love for the movie and for the franchise. No, yeah, mm-hmm. I just didn't, it just didn't do for me, I guess, what it did for you guys. Well, you were, I mean, maybe you were a little bit older, too. Like, it was when I first watched it, and then the more I watched it, it just kind of was like, <laughs> I, I think but on maybe a, even scary movie and stuff like that. It might not. Yeah, it might have changed the way I was like, oh, well, this is so much funnier. This is what I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Because I was high a lot back in the day and whatever. <laughs> you know, instead of sitting yeah. there, it's like, 
really? It's like, I don't want to watch these kids getting killed, <laughs> you know? But when Ghostface is smoking out of a bong in the fish tank, oh my God. it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, no, it's like, that's it's not. not. I, I, I think, though, and honestly, this film is pretty polarizing because yeah. people love it, people hate it. I think that whatever you feel for it, it should be respected because it came at a time when everything was just a rehash yeah. and a sequel from like a slasher film or a horror film oh, from like the I, 80s. Yeah, I get that. And so it's that. like finally, you know, a fresh idea. Right. And so right. kind of in the way, not in the same vein, but the way that we were kind of talking about hereditary right. a few weeks no, ago yeah, yeah, to where yeah. you're like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I see. Okay, that's, I that's see. That's kind of what saying. Scream yeah, was yeah. in the 90s for horror movies. But we'll get into the ins, the outs, the goods, the bads. This should be an interesting one. <laughs> I, I agree. Now, before we see what this film's insides look like, we'd like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's call it up. So the film opens immediately with a title card, the sound of the phone ringing, and several disembodied screams. I think this is a little on the nose, right? Like, <laughs> why the screams already? Right. No, yeah. It's letting you know that it's called Scream. But it's a little much, I thought. <laughs> yeah. I, I read that the original title for the film was supposed to be Scary Movie. Yeah. And it was the what? title. Yeah. Yeah, it was it the working was, title. Even when they were filming, even the rap presences they gave to the cast and crew, it had Scary Movie printed was on it. Was the Wayne's Brothers part of this? <laughs> <laughs> they got the they title. They scooped it up. Yeah, well, because they didn't use it. Oh, and shit. They say Scary movie so much in this movie yeah. that I feel like it would have been a better title. It would have been. I, it, and it I fits. wonder why they changed it. I know why they changed it. Oh. Because the Weinsteins oh, stepped in no. and they were like, we don't like the title. We should change it to Scream because it's used later in a scene that somebody says it and it's very important if you recall. And so they're like, we should change it. And they obliged. Wes Craven wasn't happy about it at first, but then he was like, all right, I guess it's okay. There's actually... And I'll point it out when we get to it, but there's a whole death in this movie that was footnoted and shoehorned in by Bob Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. I, and it's studio meddling. Right. But I, I think Scary Movie would have been better, especially for how self-referential this film Definitely. is. It's like it knows it's a movie. It's like... So why not just call it Scary Movie? It's a really clever... It's, yeah. But then, no, perfect. you're right. But then what would the Waynes Brothers had called their movie? They probably would have called it the yeah. <laughs> <Scream>, right? <laughs> So as I said, the phone's ringing, and it's answered by Casey Becker, who's played by Drew Barrymore. Who I love. It's seemingly a wrong number, and the caller sounds kind of confused as to who they've called. So Casey like handles it with ease, says they must have the wrong person, tells them to take it easy, and gets off the phone. The voice on the phone is provided by voice actor Roger L. Jackson, and he's so great at it. Oh, yeah. I read on IMDb that the cast actually never met him before they I read recorded. That. Yeah. And so it kind of allowed them to preserve these genuine reactions whenever he would get menacing because they're like, I don't know what this dude even looks like. That's pretty cool. That I didn't know cool. that. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's I thought that was pretty, cool. pretty neat. So the phone rings again. And Casey answers it. It's the caller from before, obviously. They're apologizing for having the wrong number. Casey tries to rush him off the phone, but he still wants to talk. She eventually hangs up on him, but he calls back again. This time around, he actually sounds a bit flirty. Yeah. She's making some jiffy pop about to watch a movie, and he says the iconic line, Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? They mention 
Halloween, which comes up a lot later in the yeah. film. But they also mention A Nightmare on Elm Street, which was also directed by Wes Craven. And it's funny because Casey says that the first one was good, but all the rest sucked. And Wes Craven, that's kind of his opinion on the movies, too. So you you know he was like, hey, put that, right. yeah. <laughs> put that line in Make there. Make sure you say that. Yeah. Freddy's my dude. Man. No, yeah. <laughs> so Casey walks through the house and she's still on the phone and the caller asks if she has a boyfriend. He's wasting no time. No. Then he asks her name. And she asks why he wants to know. And he says, I want to know who I'm looking at. Ah! <laughs> it doesn't sit well. No. But why Why does she keep talking to him? I don't know. That um, is an like, excellent like, why question, do you... even as it goes further along. No, yeah, because yeah, at this point already, I'm probably done. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't see why she continues. But then again, I guess we wouldn't have a movie. No, yeah. True. But she's like, what? And he's like, I, I want to know who I'm talking to. It's like, we all heard what you said. It's the <laughs> and that, worst save in the world. <laughs> and she obviously starts to get a little antsy. Yeah. And so she turns on the back porch lights. She looks around, but she doesn't see anything. And so she locks the door and she rushes off the phone. And the voice is like, don't hang up on me. <laughs> well, I like, I like that she's trying to get off the phone. And he goes, wait, I thought we were going to go out. It's yeah, like, no, nobody ever. <laughs> That when was never that established. It was really hopeful. Yeah. He asked if she had a boyfriend and then it went no further in that department. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so we get a shot of the popcorn, which is very ready at this point, And the phone rings again. It's super quick. And he's annoyed that she hung up on him. But she does it again, even though he told her not to. Yeah. She goes to retrieve the popcorn from the stove and he calls once again. This time he fucking loses it on <laughs> her. <laughs> He tells her, I'll gut you like a fish if you hang up. And she asks if it's a joke, but he's like, it's more like a game. It's like, I don't like any no. of that. He's pulling a jigsaw before, before jigsaw. jigsaw. Yeah. Also, he calls her Blondie at the end of this call, which sends her over the edge. Because it proves that he knows what she looks like. But he had a 50-50 shot. Yeah. <laughs> If he was like, if he was like redhead or whatever, you know, that's less common. Or if she had like a buzz cut or something. Right, right. Yeah. Baldy. G.I. Jane, you know? <laughs> it's a little less, but Blondie, he was there. But let's just say it's not his best trick. <laughs> so Casey runs to lock the front door, which is like, why were all the doors unlocked in the first place? All of them. The yeah, back door, no, the front sure. door. It makes no sense. And so he's taunting her on the phone and she's like, I'm two seconds away from calling the police. It's like, why didn't you call the police in the first place? That, that was my thing, too. You've answered the phone to this dude how many times? I think six. I yes, yeah, okay. I think it's six in so total. when he told you he was going to gut you like a fish, you didn't mm -hmm. think, maybe I should Let fucking me hang up, hang and call, up the cops. Yeah. call the cops really quick and hope for the best. I, You know what I would do? I would lock the door, Z like doors, and no, because there's not two phones. I didn't say call the police. <laughs> But then, but then also keep him on the line and be like, so about that date until, yeah. until the police arrive. Because he seems gung-ho about that. Or if that. he's called back this many times, he's going to call back. Yeah. He will. You know he's yeah. going to call back. Even if he's on call waiting. Uh, hold, police. I, right. he's on the other line. So he says, basically, you're in the middle of nowhere. In so many words, response time is shit. So good luck with that. Mm. Which, why am I going to believe you? I yeah, know. I'm still going to call. She's just yeah. like, oh, shit, oh, he's man. right. Well, I guess right. I better stay on the phone. Never mind. Fuck. So she goes, what do you want? And he goes, to see what your insides look like. And so it's not fun anymore. No, this is <laughs> not a game. It's not the game I'd like to play. And Casey hangs up on him, which he told her explicitly not to do. Also, he says, to see what your insides look like. And as soon as she gets off the phone, she holds her stomach like, not my insides. <laughs> my precious. <laughs> yeah. It's the last thing I wanted to hear. So 
the doorbell rings, which scares the hell out of her. And the phone rings again, and she screams. And she's fully in tears now. Which could have been a 911 call. Yeah, in the time. And then hung At up. any point. Yeah. yeah. So the caller is basically critiquing her cliche responses to everything going on so far. Like, oh, why would you, you know, it's like it's a movie. And he's yeah. watching yeah. it, and he's like yelling at the screen, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, all right, fuck this. My boyfriend's on the way. He's big. He I thought you didn't football. have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, I thought we were going out. He's big, he plays football, and he'll kick the shit out of you. And the caller is totally unfazed, and he's like, your boyfriend's name wouldn't have to be Steve, would it? And she's like, oh, shit. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> How do you know? And so he tells her to turn the porch light on. Again. Again. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you saw the first time. You really are watching. Uh, so I think this that is when I would start to get scared because I'm like, well, yeah, this that somebody point, fucking with me. Blondie, point, you had a 50 yeah. 50 shot. But <laughs> seeing me turn on the porch lights, you had to have been there. So she turns on the lights and her boyfriend is sitting on the back patio, tied to a chair, looking beat the fuck up. But he's also not as big as Casey claimed. Yeah. He's not. But. Also, how the hell was he set up there that quickly? She had yeah, just no. looked back there. She did, and then quickly suddenly, and silently, he's duct tape on the mouth, yes. he's tied to the chair, yes. like it's a whole thing. So the caller is basically like, "Look, we're gonna play a game. It's like trivia. If you answer wrong, Steve's gonna bite the dust." And so she agrees, only because her boyfriend's life is on the line. And from okay, from Steve's point of view, he's tied up to this chair. <laughs> <laughs> to this chair. Uh-huh. Casey turns on the light. She opens the door. Then she closes the door. <laughs> she turns off the light and walks away. I feel like, like is you this a game? <laughs> like, Plus, what I, the fuck? Untie me. Yeah, you don't even know why you're out there being no, tied up. It's no, just like, it no. has something to do with your girlfriend because you're at her house. Mm-hmm. What did you do to get me killed? She starts yeah. to Plus, come out and is like, uh, looks like she's like, oh, never mind. Uh, yeah. Turns off the like, light and goes back inside. I thought you were going to watch a movie and eat popcorn. It's an elaborate prank. So they start off easy with the trivia game on the phone. He's like, who's the killer in Halloween? She said it was her favorite movie. Yeah. So it should be an easy answer. Right. She's like, Michael Myers. Correct Amundo. They move on to the next question. Name the killer from Friday the 13th. And she's like, oh, Jason. And she's so certain. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. Jason yeah. doesn't rock up until part two. So unfortunately... Steve gets gutted. Right. Steve's got to die. Yeah. She didn't get to phone a friend. Well, she well, Yeah, no. It's uh, a little preoccupied, I guess. Didn't get to pull the audience. Steve is like, Jason's mother. <laughs> Through the tape. Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah. So, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, my God. No, yeah. And the, the thing is, is that for the reputation this film has for being a comedy and, you know, whatever, like this satirical slasher, you know. It's really pretty grisly the way that Steve dies. Right. It is, and it's right off the rip. You yeah, literally no, see yeah. his guts fall out. Like, you're like, oh, shit, no, what kind yeah. of movie is this? And so the killer asks the final question, what door am I at? And she refuses to answer. So he throws a chair through the window. <laughs> <laughs> Stop sighing. I don't know if you've ever thrown a chair at like a patio door or something. I have not. It does not go through like <laughs> no. that. Well, sure it does. Not. If that bothered you, yeah, then something that, is going to bother you just... even more in just a second. 
So a little cat and mouse game begins. She grabs a knife in the kitchen. The popcorn's on fire, by the way. And I love that the fire is just a footnote in this. Yeah, scene. that's like, the real we're tragedy. Not even, here. We're not even focusing on it. <laughs> we aren't. But microwave popcorn was invented in 1946. Uh huh. Along with the microwave. <laughs> Who the fuck is still making Jiffy Pop? Listen, I, hey, I had Jiffy Pop. Jiffy Pop when is I was delicious. I'm not eating that shit. <laughs> I'm putting it in the really microwave. Good. It's not. Uh, it's not, it's all right. It's not the best tasting popcorn, but it's I the. I thought it was it's really the good. Cool, it's the cool factor of making it. Nah, what's cool is pushing two two minutes and twenty seconds on the microwave. <laughs> well, but she wasn't shaking it, it like you're supposed no, to. No, she, she wasn't. Just she just left, left it there. But there was a few times too that she could have took it off and she didn't. No, well, she she well just, every time she started to, he called back. Yeah. And you can't do two things at once. No, of course not. Of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh. That's not how the script was written. <laughs> As she's in the kitchen with the knife, she sees somebody in a costume run through the house, and so she sneaks outside. I say sneak very loosely because she closes the door, and it's loud <laughs> it's as hell. It's loud. And so she's still holding the phone in her hand, and now would be the perfect time to attempt to call the police. But she doesn't do it. But they're so far away. I guess. My thing is, look, the guy who told you they she's wouldn't like, be here in time, he's, right. he's trying <laughs> he to kill you. He doesn't want you to call the police. Are we really going to trust him? <laughs> So off in the distance, Casey sees a car coming down the road. She looks back into the house and she comes face to face with someone in a ghost costume. Right. So from this point on, we've said it once at the top, but we're going to refer to the person in this costume by the highly cerebral nickname <laughs> of Ghostface. <laughs> All right. So Ghostface sees her and headbutts her through the glass and the door. <laughs> and this is when the real chase ensues. Now, Interestingly, in this scene, Wes Craven is actually the one under the mask. Okay. And I read that in all the scenes except for one, it's a stunt. Yeah. Um, man. A stunt man. I'm like, what the fuck? Is, what, are, what do you call them? It's a stunt man. So he chases her around outside and she stops running twice during this chase. Not tripping and falling, just literally stops running. Yeah. Wants to look at her dead boyfriend like, damn, he got you good. Yeah. <laughs> and then a second time as she watches the car that's supposed to rescue her pull into the driveway. I noticed that she stopped and looked at the car too. I was like, wouldn't you run screaming oh, toward no, yeah, the car? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and all this does is it allows Ghostface to catch up. Definitely. Right. So when Ghostface catches up with her, he... He lines up the shot real good and then stabs her directly in the chest. Almost like pretty much in the heart. And oddly, once they're on the ground, he starts just choking her and then she kicks him in the dick. She does. He had it coming. He did. He earned it. So Casey sees her parents get out of the car and walk inside the house. But that five seconds of choking <laughs> have robbed her of has her ability to call out. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Mom. It doesn't work. But she seemed like she was close enough to where they would have seen her. Even you, if it was Or even corner, heard that yeah. would have broke. At the very least, you would have heard her walking through the grass. And they like, like it's like if they seen her and they were like, nope, she's in trouble. And just walked inside <laughs> super quick. Like, mm, none of my business. Right? Mm, 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 we, we just got that. home from yeah, a restaurant. Going, we're not yeah, trying to right. deal with that right I'm now. I'm too full for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> As her parents go inside and they see the wreckage, and most importantly, the burnt popcorn they also see. Yes. yes. Uh, very frantically, they start looking for Casey and go Ghostface is finishing the job outside. Something I never noticed as a kid is Casey actually takes off the killer's mask and reacts to who the killer is before she's stabbed to death. 
And we then, don't see their face. As soon as she removes the mask, it pans over to the knife. Yes. Yeah. I never noticed that as a kid. But her parents pick up the phone inside, and since they're all in the same line at home, right. they can hear the phone that Casey has with her outside as she's being dragged by the killer. Casey's, she's got an excellent grip on that phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's held on to it through the chase, <laughs> through being stabbed in the heart. She's not letting go. So, interestingly, Casey's dad tells her mom to get in the car, drive down to the McKinsey's, which is the same family name that Laurie Strode told the kids to get help at in John Carpenter's Halloween. Halloween. Huh. So, that's another reference to it. There's so many references. It, there's so many. So, when her mom goes outside, she sees Casey's bloody, disemboweled corpse hanging from a tree and screams. As a kid, it was horrifying. Oh, it was. So as a kid, I didn't really think that it looked like Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And I learned as I was reading today that they made a full body cast. Wow. Of Drew Barrymore because they had to do the guts, guts falling right, out. Right. So that explains why I thought that as a kid. But they are lucky because they do this kind of a quick sped up shot yeah. to the corpse. Maybe it's to kind of, you Probably. know, like it's not perfect. So get this done quickly. They know it's a corpse. Move on. But can we just talk about the red herring and the psych of oh, yeah. Drew Barrymore getting killed? I, I looked it up. They call it a false protagonist. And they did the same thing in Psycho, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Yeah. And interestingly, they did the same thing in Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Because you think Tina is the protagonist. Oh, shit. Because Nancy just seems like her friend. Right. And right. then Nancy is the protagonist. It's like a trick. No, it was a total okie doke when I, I was a want, kid. I just want to know how he did that so fast. No, like yeah, oh, no, he, he's yeah, nice. that was nice. quick. And then yeah, hung her in the quick. yeah, he must have had the <laughs> harness ready or something. Like, get her up, get her up. But and you, then we got to get out of here too. But you yeah. didn't notice that when you were walking up the front door. Oh no, yeah, no, no, of course not. What they is were full hanging from the tree. <laughs> it's all right. Doesn't matter. Uh, but it's a very smart move to get rid of your biggest star because it's like nobody's safe now. Right. And no, now it's yeah. it's like what The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones Used portrayed themselves as. Yeah. You know, they're actually doing it. Yeah. And I actually read that Drew Barrymore was initially cast as the character we're about to meet. But instead, she decided that she should play Casey Becker so it would be that misdirection for the audience and they would ah, feel that feeling of nobody being right, She was right, totally right, right, right. right. And that's 100%. why she's forward on all the posters and stuff because it was such a... It's like marketing. You'd think, oh, this is a Drew Barrymore right, right, right. movie. And but it's nope. She's going to yeah, be fine. Yeah. 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 Which is really fucking okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And for my money, one of the most effective openings in a horror that, film. Definitely, I agree. It's very effective. Yeah. In the next scene, we meet the real protagonist of the film, Sydney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell. She's working on her computer when she hears something at the window, and when she goes to investigate, she's jump-scared. <laughs> he scares the shit <laughs> out does. of her. He does. <laughs> it's her boyfriend, Billy Loomis, played by Skeet Ulrich. Loomis, obviously a reference to John Carpenter's Halloween, which right. itself was a reference to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. But her dad comes to check on her because he heard her scream right. very loudly and Billy hides. When her dad tries to open the door, it hits a closet door that's already open and can't open all the way. It seems unimportant now, but it does come up later. Yeah. Importantly. And when she opens the closet door kind of to let him come in and mm -hmm. talk to him, well, not come in, but stand in the doorway and talk to him. He goes, I heard screaming. And she goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> 
Yeah, with a teenage daughter, I don't no. think so. I wouldn't be that cool. That's just it. And she's acting suspicious as fuck. No, like, yeah. Well, she kisses him on the cheek, too, and then it's just the dead issue. Yeah. It's never brought up again. So he tells her that he's going to be going out of town and that he's left money on the counter and basically, you know, be safe, whatever you say to a kid as you're leaving town. Yeah. After he leaves, she chats with Billy, who was hiding behind her bed. Billy's basically bummed out because he's saying that they haven't been fooling around as much as they used to. Well, he said that they had an R-rated relationship two years ago, which how old were they supposed to be? 15. (laughs) (laughs) So already I was like, they're already suffering from 90s casting with like 25 year olds <laughs> playing 17 year olds. I'm glad bad. you mentioned that. Yeah. Because that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> really? So it's bad. Everyone here is pretty old. Right. Yes. To be playing teenagers. Mm-hmm. At the time of this, Neve Campbell was 23. That's close. It's close. No, it's close. I mean, to me, it's not. It's. I mean, but to seventeen. They yeah. were all like the 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 skeet guy or whatever his name yeah. is. He was twenty six. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> Rose McGowan was twenty three. David Arquette was twenty five. Maybe they're just trying I to mean, skirt child labor laws. <laughs> it's just you know what I mean. It was like, come on, no, you they're guys, adults. Yeah. But that was like the nineties, though. I mean, no, I know, but I'm that's saying, totally yeah. what was it? Melrose Place, where you could see their hairline receding. Yeah, <laughs> they're thirty years old talking about the prom. Exactly. Yeah, it, <sighs> So, I mean, <laughs> I guess it was just a sign of the times, but I get 100% yeah, what you're saying. It was just, There's no defense. And this dude, I don't, I'm not very fond of his acting. I don't like the character. <laughs> At all? At all. It just doesn't work for me. I read, though, that he said that the whole time they were making this, he thought it was a straight up horror movie. Mm. Uh. And so that's why they've even pointed out that he seems kind of on a different level yeah. than everybody else. He plays his part with no humor. No. There yeah. is nothing Everybody at else all. has their moments. He's very serious because he literally thought they were making a horror see, horror no, that movie. Makes, that makes okay. more it sense. It does. Okay. Once I read that, I was like, you can Maybe see that. Maybe that's why yeah. it was off. It was he was on a different page than literally okay. everybody else. I read that Wes Craven cast him because he thought he looked like Johnny Depp. And he was trying yeah. to catch <laughs> yes. lightning Get in a bottle again, like he did with the Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and so that might be another reason. Maybe it was looks over. Yeah. You know. I don't think he's bad. I, I mean, I know you don't I mean, like him in it, but I, I don't think I don't he's have bad. a problem with him. He just is. He's pretty intense for really no reason <laughs> yeah. in a lot of scenes. No, seeds. but that, maybe that makes sense now. Yeah. Too. yeah. Now maybe it. In his defense. <laughs> but as the scene continues, because he says they haven't been fooling around enough lately. He's not pushy about it or anything necessarily, but they start fooling around a little bit and they awkwardly do so for a while. But it goes too far when he tries to slide his hand up her gown and she's like, all right, that, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. But he leaves out of her window the way he came in. And when he does, she flashes him and she's like, how about we settle for a PG-13 rating? And he laughs. So for me, the writing is on the line between witty and corny. It's, oh, it's absolutely. Right, it's right on the line. And I bet it was really cool in the 90s. They're like, man, this is some this is some good shit. <laughs> but I don't know. It's good because it establishes that they have kind of a playful relationship. And he also somewhat respects her boundaries. Yeah. Which is cool. Because that's she fine. was like, that's enough. And, and he's he like, all stopped. right. And, yeah. they, and then he left. Yeah. He didn't try to push the issue or anything. He wasn't like, oh, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, start crying or whatever, you know? <laughs> 
I thought that was fine. <laughs> I just, again, I, I thought we were gonna. <laughs> I hate saying it, but again, like the scary movie ruined it for me. Because, really? Yeah, because that's all I see now is. That's not that's fair. That's not fair. I do, though. Like right. when I seen it, I was waiting for to open up and it's a man's chest that, and him fall and then me laugh. See, and, and then, then he me laugh. I was waiting but for me, me to laugh. But me watching this is like, okay, where's. Where's where's the joke? Yeah, it's like. (laughs) So in the next scene, we're at Woodsboro High School, and it's full of police and reporters. Sydney bumps into her best friend Tatum Riley, who's played by Rose McGowan, and Tatum tells her about the murders from the night before in gruesome detail because I guess she hadn't heard about it yet. (laughs) Oddly, but I guess I mean she didn't check Twitter. There was no. (laughs) She couldn't. Tatum knows all the tea. No, she does. Like all the details. She also tells her that the police are interrogating every student, and that's actually what we see in the next scene, is Sydney being brought in for her questioning with the principal, uh, Principal Hembry, who's played by Henry Winkler, <laughs> the Fonz. That's the best yeah. in the world. And he didn't even want to be credited, because he didn't want to take attention away from anybody else. He just the seems like a good fun. dude. He does, man. Like, I don't know if great. you've ever seen him on Twitter, but he just seems like the nicest dude of all time. <laughs> But also present are Sheriff Burke and Tatum's brother, Deputy Dewey Riley, played by David Arquette. I love Dewey. I like I like Dewey so much as a character because he's goofy, but he means so well. He's the most sincere. Absolutely. You know. I actually read that he was cast as Billy. David Arquette? David Arquette. And that Dewey was supposed to be a buff, like, cop cop. Right. And hmm. so when they cast Skeet and David Arquette became Dewey, they made him goofier and funnier, like comic relief. Right. I think I so, think it works. Yeah, I really wonder how that would have played out if first of all, I can't see David Arquette being Billy Loomis. No, but not at all. If we had like a serious masculine strong right. deputy Dewey like how would like and it's just funny to think about how different this movie almost was a right, lot. Right. I don't, it just wouldn't have worked as well for me. I think it works perfectly, especially what we see of his character later. Yeah, no, I totally agree. how he plays off of Rose McGowan. Yes. It just works <laughs> the way it She's is. She's so mean to him. She is. <laughs> but in these two scenes with Sydney and Tatum and then Sydney and the questioning, there are two vague references to Sydney's mother, who we're going to learn a little bit about later. But... During the questioning, Principal Hembry like cradles her face yes. with his hands, <laughs> and it's really awkward. But nobody says anything. It's like borderline inappropriate. It is. It's like or back it off, Fonzie. Inappropriate. Like, and also, I thought it was weird that during this, they're only asking about Casey. Right. It feels like nobody gives a shit that Steve Orth oh, was yeah. also killed. See, they, I already forgot that yeah. the boyfriend was but killed. But then I read that the guy that played Steve was cast as Billy Loomis, <laughs> and when they took it away from him, Steven Orth was a consolation oh. role. Well, so I'm like, did they just add it and then never change the script yeah, that two people died that in. night? Like, Maybe. Right. Sure, you can be in the movie, kid. Yeah. You're gonna die right away. And you'll have tape on your mouth and <laughs> yeah, no one can right. see your face. <laughs> you don't have any lines. Yeah. Don't worry Watching about that, it. I didn't know that. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, does anybody give a shit about the yeah, other kid? It's like, killed? what about the boyfriend? Yeah. yeah. I think boyfriend. we are talking about Casey. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. It's funny because when Tatum mentions it to Sydney, she says Steve Orth, but she says it like it's pigeonholed in, like it wasn't part yeah. of the original line. She's like, Casey Becker and Steve Orth died. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got that line like, today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so after this, Sydney, Billy, and Tatum are hanging out in a courtyard, and they're joined by Tatum's boyfriend, Stu 
played by Matthew Lillard, and the resident fifth wheel, Randy, played by Jamie Kennedy. They chat about their interrogations, and in the conversation, it's revealed that Stu actually used to date Casey for she dumped him for Steve. Yeah. And so it's... Super sus. Exactly. (laughs) So Sydney is, you know, kind of having this moment to herself, kind of, she doesn't really say it to anyone, but she's like, how do you gut someone? (laughs) And Stu's like, let me take it from yeah, here. And he fucking easy. tells her, yeah. yeah. It's easy as one, two, three. And he just fucking cho- tells well, her. He literally spelled it out. Yeah. Like, oh. like from the, and I'm like, well, you're a suspect. Yeah. But when Randy jokes that he might be the killer, Tatum's like, he was with me that night. Yeah. And you're like, all right, so never mind. There's a lot of red herrings. A lot of movie. red herrings. We'll get to about a million more. When they start cracking jokes a little bit later about organs and murder, it starts to get a little too gruesome, and so Sydney storms off. <laughs> when they're cracking jokes about guts, Tatum's like, stop, I'm trying to eat, but she's not eating anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that. There's there's an entire bag of grapes there, though, like, I mean, supermarket grapes. <laughs> Like an entire thing. Usually yeah. you give a kid a portion, but they have like, they went to a Woodsboro market and grabbed, grabbed the whole thing. The yeah. entire thing. But I guess that counts as Sydney's goodbye because in the next scene we see her at home. <laughs> she was dying. Yeah, dude. she's like, that's it for me. She's uh, getting off the bus and she goes inside and she gets on the phone and she's making plans with Tatum for the night. They have these big ass Dude, houses. Every single person in this movie has the most amazing and house I've ever land. seen. Like yeah. it's I, I didn't understand that either. No. no. Like everyone has the same job. And it's just her and her dad. Have, yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's a giant ass house. What are you selling that you're paying for that? <laughs> I don't know. Her dad said he was going to some expo. I don't know. I don't know. Is it tech? Like, yeah. Something. Tell me what it <laughs> yeah, is. Right. And Give me the hookup. Exactly. So she tells Tatum that it's kind of like deja vu seeing all these police officers and reporters at the school. And we learn why whenever Sydney goes back inside after she gets off the phone and she tries to relax by watching some television and she gets bombarded with nothing but coverage about the recent murders. But after changing the channel a few times, we see a report from Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox. Gail's report on the recent murders references the rape and murder of Maureen Prescott, who is Sydney's mother, which happened a year prior. Right. How many news channels did she go through? Like four. And they're <laughs> I all, don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, this is local news. Yeah. I don't know about you, but we have, what, two here? Yeah. That was and, a lot of local news. Well, I mean, Woodsboro is supposed to be in California, right? I have no idea. <laughs> But they okay, but okay, if it's in California, but they all live in the middle of nowhere with giant houses. They do. Really? It's like uh, I don't know, and mm, it's a little (laughs) odd. I will will give you that. But Gail Weathers is like a celebrity. Yeah. And so I'm I'm also I'm a little confused by that as well. You know, we don't really have any local celebrities. Not like that. Not like that. No Krusty the Clowns. Yeah, no. No Gail Weathers. (laughs) No. So Sydney takes a break from her TV time and decides to take a nap. A couple things about this scene. One, when she's watching the news and she walks into the room for the first time, the music doesn't make any sense. It's very tense and there's like stings as if 
it's jump scares, but nothing's happening. Yeah. Right. And it's like these really unsettling tones, and it just flat out doesn't make any sense to me. It's not a huge problem. The music no, is done. No, but I noticed it too. So it's it, weird, it, right? It, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the music in this movie. Really? Yeah, I have like some nostalgia for it. It was done by Marco Beltrami, and he went on to make... This was the first movie he ever scored. Oh, wow. But he went on to become like nominated for Academy Awards and Golden Globes and stuff. But... I don't know. I like the music in some aspects because it fits the movie and I have that nostalgic thing for right, these sounds. Right, right. But rewatching it, I'm like... It's a little over the top. A little bit. And it, yeah. I don't know that it necessarily fits the way they use every song. But I digress. The second problem I have with this scene is whenever Sydney goes to take a nap... There's a picture of her and Maureen on the table, the side table. Mm -hmm. And it looks like she took it today. It does. <laughs> because yeah. she does not look like she's 16. It doesn't look any different. But the thing is, is like... We got it already. You said Maureen Prescott. We know her last name. It's spoon feeding. It is spoon. I don't like spoon feeding. I'm glad you said that because I did feel like there was a lot of, and her mother died, and her mother died. And it, and it was yeah. like, okay, we, we get, get it. it. Yeah. Stop. It's like you needed to tell us maybe two or three times. Exactly. You didn't if need that. to tell us 20 times in the span of 10 minutes. The reason it bothered me is because the way they were doing it at the start, I liked because they, right. they mentioned it a little bit without telling you. Right, yeah. And then they finally show so you on the news. you're kind of like, what does that mean? And yeah. Then, yeah. After they show you on the news, they're like, also, here's a picture of them yeah. <laughs> together. We get it. Yeah. And she put her shoes on the couch. She did. Oh, no. She did. No, she did. That's, mm -mm. that's, that's a faux pas. You catch one of the kids putting their shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> so Sydney wakes up from her nap, and it's the evening, and she wakes up from a phone call from Tatum. She's late picking her up. She says she's going to swing by the video store, and then she'll be there. But when Sydney hangs up, the phone rings immediately after. She picks it up, and a very familiar voice says... Hello, Sydney. After the voice talks about horror movies, Sydney assumes that it's Randy because that's kind of his shit. Right. Poor Randy. Yeah. <laughs> but she quickly learns that it is not Randy. It's Ghostface. Yes. And <laughs> he's he's doing the same shtick that he did with Casey and says he's on her front porch, but Sydney calls bullshit and investigates. Now, it's funny because at the beginning of the call, she bashes horror movies for being, you know, basically these vapid, bullshit, stupid things that are right. insulting to the audience. And then she immediately goes and does the exact, exact stupid thing shit. Yeah. that she criticized yes. horror movies for doing. Which is funny. Yeah, it's kind of smart writing because it's like the critics of horror movies, well, what would you do in that situation? Yeah. And they, you, can, you know. You can talk yeah, a big yeah. game, but But then exactly. as soon as you're in it, you do yeah. the exact same thing. So I thought it was kind of smart. She walks around her porch because he says he was there, but when she goes to investigate, he's not. Right. And she doesn't see anyone or anything suspicious, and she takes it lightly, but still, for some reason, still thinks it's Randy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why she hasn't given up this premise yet. Does Randy make a habit of I right. altering his voice? Like, ah, oh, you got me. <laughs> And she finally realizes for certain that it's not Randy when Ghostface tells her that if she hangs up, she'll die just like her mother. Yeah, it escalated quickly. It's very serious business now, although Sydney kind of ruins the moment because she she goes, <laughs> she goes, fuck you, you cretin, which I don't know that I'd when say in that kid, moment. Yeah. When I was a kid, I thought she said creep. Yeah. And as an adult, I'm like, Creep? Creep? <laughs> fucking pirate? Yeah. <laughs> you scurvy uh, creep. Who talks like that? Yeah. Like, if she said creep, that makes sense. And that's yeah. kind of how people talk. Nobody talks like that. Nobody. That, like, made me laugh. No, I laughed out loud. Yeah. I don't know if that's, like, 90s speak or something. They're like, oh, we were you, all saying creep. No, you creep. we were. Everybody. That was it. 
That was a 96 thing. Yeah. Didn't happen. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was like, what? That's so funny. So as soon as she gets inside, Ghostface bursts from the closet and attacks her. She falls on the floor, but she trips him and he falls on top of her. And then he like bashes her head into the floor and then he gets ready for the stabbing. That took a long time, though. It did. How did he get in the house? I don't know how he got in the house. He's also very clumsy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Jeez. there's a scene later that I was actually <laughs> <laughs> laughing out loud, and I'll, I'll get to that. But before he can stab her, she kicks him off, and then he chases her upstairs. This is when she uses her convenient I, bedroom door, closet door situation to, to block him out. from getting inside, and then she tries to call the police. The phone doesn't work, so she uses the computer, and I, I guess <laughs> I guess things get a little too spicy for the pepper because Ghostface just bails out. <laughs> he doesn't wait around. Could you even do just, that? I've in never seen that I didn't in my know life. that that was a thing. It's like a chat room. Yeah. But he's it's like, calling oh, the police. She's chatting with the police. Mm-mm. I am I'm fucking out. out. Right. So did he stop and he's like, wait, is this bitch on a computer calling the <laughs> He was reading it? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> But as soon as he bails out, Billy lurches into her room from the open window. It's like someone threw him on yeah. to her house. Right, what's happening in here? Yeah. So he's like, I heard screaming, so I, I climbed up. I climbed into your window. And so he comes inside. She holds him, and she's like, there's a guy in the house. He has a knife. And Billy looks really suspicious. And then a cell phone drops out of his pocket. And Sydney's like... What the fuck? I love that at this point, merely owning a cell phone is enough to make you a murder suspect. That's it. That's all it took. Because it is such a dramatic moment when that cell phone no, drops. It is. That's the it only is. reason she has to be creeped out in this moment instead of being comforted I mean, by her boyfriend. I mean, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing here? And why are you climbing through my window? Right. Yeah. But she was fine with that. It was the cell phone that really... Like, Who threw you up here? <laughs> <laughs> is the juggernaut downstairs? They're trampoline. Yeah. And it's funny because now we'd be like, hey, you dropped yourself. Hey, can you call right. the police? <laughs> While you got your phone out. But instead, she runs downstairs and she opens the front door <laughs> to ghost face himself. No. It's oh, Dewey. Wait, it's Dewey. For some reason, holding the mask up to the door. <laughs> And they both scream. <laughs> Which, in no instance, would it be would it make sense for him to be standing like that? No. Yeah. Why is he holding, like at all? Right. So I found if she looked, this. If she looked out the the fucking peak hole, then she would see the face. Yeah. yeah. The mask. Why would, why you, would do you do that? Do that? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you do that? It makes no sense. Also, he's waving his gun around and directing the other cops with it. Sometimes, <laughs> even. <laughs> Pointing it at Sydney accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> He's goofy as fuck, basically, is what I'm trying to get I across love Dewey. here. But the police arrest Billy, who maintains his innocence completely. Dewey's reading him his Miranda rights, and then they put him in the back of a car and the police drive away. While Billy's in the back seat, though, and they're driving away, we can still somehow clearly hear him screaming for Sydney. Yes. As if he's still outside. <laughs> So Tatum finally arrives in this cool-looking old-school Volkswagen Beetle. Yes. 
and she tells Dewey that Sydney's going to be staying with him for the night. And then Gail arrives with her cameraman, Kenny, but they're too late to get any footage or an interview, so she just takes it out on her cameraman and is totally... <laughs> she calls him a fat ass, and like it's it's pretty rude. I just want to say that I love Gail Weathers. <laughs> she's a colossal fucking bitch, and no. she is so good yeah, the in character, this movie and in the franchise. Yeah. And I had read that they didn't want to give the part to Courtney Cox because it's so different from her character on Friends. Mm-hmm. But she wanted it because she wanted to play a bitch. Right, and she right. does such... She's so good in this. I don't understand why they would want to just keep giving someone the same part. Give her a shot. And she, and she does great. Yeah, she does yeah. so good. Like, I love her I in this. I think what did it for me was, how long are you taking to get over here? <laughs> you said no. I'm going to the movie store mm-hmm. and then coming to your house. Yeah. Oh, Tatum. This girl, yeah. you know, had the phone call, got chased around the house. Billy all, shows up. Yeah, yeah Billy no, shows a lot. up. Oh, you're phone, right. Gets arrested. God damn. You it's took a how long? Yeah. Say, come on. You're not a real friend. (laughs) Are we even really friends? Yeah, be real. Did you help this motherfucker? (laughs) Come on. So at the police station, Dewey tries to get a hold of Sydney's father, but he's not registered at the hotel that he said he would be staying in. So Sydney doesn't know where he could be, and they're going to try to get to the bottom of it. The sheriff is questioning Billy with his father present, and bottom line is they're (laughs) going to be looking into the phone records, and they're going to have to hold Billy until they get them. But. It's very funny because the sheriff asks, he's like, why were you at Sydney's house the night before? And his father's like, you went out last night? <laughs> and then from that point forward, his father doesn't defend him at all. Maybe and he's like, holy shit, that. maybe. Uh, my, did I raise a fucking killer? Like, he's fucking, you know. Not my son was being a teenager. Yes. Knock out. It was just, maybe did you did. Yeah, right. he joins the investigation uh. team, basically. <laughs> they go good cop, bad cop on him. But the other funny thing is the sheriff's like, what are you doing with a cell phone, son? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so 90s. It's, it's great. It's great. I also love that Billy is like, I didn't do it. And then turns around and literally glares at Sydney. Dude, it's no, like no. a cartoon how he glares at Sydney. It's like, you did this to me. <laughs> I didn't do it. Glare. Like, it, it looks so fucking funny. Hilarious. So outside, Gail and her cameraman arrive at the police station and they try to get inside with the hopes of getting footage of Sydney, but it doesn't work out for them. Inside... Dewey tells the sheriff that there's no way to track the purchase of the costume because apparently they're sold everywhere in the city. And the costume is called Father Death. Which is way cooler than Ghostface. Ghost yeah, I never yeah, caught that dude, until watching uh, it this me time. Me neither. I think that is a way cooler name. <laughs> so Tatum emasculates Dewey in front of his superior 100%. and all the other officers and says they're ready to go. So the sheriff tells him, you know, hey, take the back exit and hopefully you can avoid the media frenzy at the front of the station. They do exactly that, but unfortunately, Gail is way too sly for that because bullshit. Because he's like, let's stay under wraps. Come outside. Now stay here. I'm going to go get the car. <laughs> yeah. like, it's such a so stay poorly executed. No security, no yes. anything. So Gail comes up with a live camera, mind you. Yeah. And she's asking if she's all right. And Tatum is basically playing defense to try and keep her away. And instead, Sydney's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's talk. And so she's like, how's the book coming? I guess Gail is writing a book about Maureen Prescott's murder and Gail is fucking oblivious to the tone of this conversation yeah. because she's like, oh, oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> It'll be out later this year. I'll send you a copy. <laughs> and so Signe slugs her in the mouth and they break out. <laughs> like, did you not read the room, Gail? 
And she says it so warm. I'll oh. send you a copy. Like, like Sydney's like, oh, yeah, sweet. Thanks. Don't even worry about it, girl. I got yeah, you. I'm not going to make you pay for that. <laughs> so in the next scene, Dewey gives Sydney some ice to ice up her hand like she's a prize fighter. <laughs> and then Mama Riley comes in and says there's a phone call for Sydney. Something about when they're sitting in the bedroom, though, is Tatum's like, you really think it could be like, it's not her boyfriend is accused of murdering someone and trying to murder her. Yes. Yeah. She's like, you really think Billy could have done it? I knew he was too perfect. Like, it's like, do you and not understand what's not? Yeah. yeah. Do you understand the gravity? Yeah. <laughs> but the person on the phone is Ghostface. And he sarcastically is pitying Billy for being put in jail for the night. Basically like, I'm still out. I'm still at large. And he's sitting in a jail cell. And he insinuates that Sydney has a history of accusing the wrong guy for crimes that they didn't commit. Ouch. And tells her that he'll see her real soon. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, stay tuned. It's a friendly guy. And yeah, he's a real cool dude, man. So the next scene opens with early morning shots of Woodsboro. But it's also the first time that we hear Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. The song has become synonymous with the series, and it appears in every single one of them except Scream 4. And I have to say, at five years old, this is the first place I ever heard Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and it changed my life <laughs> forever. And it's like the coolest shit you've ever heard. Yes, you're like, like what genuinely. is this? And I say first time because the song plays again, and I'm like, yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> but back at the Riley house... They're watching the news, and we see Cotton Weary, played by Liev Schreiber. Odd casting, because... It's such a throwaway... Yeah, he has no lines in this film. No. But he's being led away in handcuffs, and it turns out Cotton was convicted for the rape and murder of Sydney's mother, but only on the testimony that Sydney gave at the trial the year prior. Why would you not turn the fucking TV off as soon as you I hear his know. name? They're just standing around her like, oh, is she going to be okay? Yeah, like, just watching I it. I wonder that, too. It's yeah. like... If she's already gone through all this, it's like, why wouldn't you stop it? Yes. Yeah, they just let her like, well, let's see how she reacts. And that's weird that you said that about him not even having a line because I have watched this franchise, I don't even know how many times. Yeah. And I didn't even realize what almost a footnote that whole no, thing yeah. is in this movie. And it's interesting because Leah Schreiber is a great actor. Yeah. And so for me, I'm you like- You get a glimpse of him- on TV. Like, they, that's it. They had to have been setting up for sequels. They had to. You know, there's no other reason for that stuff to be going on. Right. But that's kind of cool that they didn't try to tackle everything in this movie. And they no. were like, oh, there'll be time. Like, we'll get no, to cotton. Yeah. And honestly, it's very interesting to me because this kind of stuff demonstrates a lot more depth than you're used to seeing in a slasher film. Yeah, that's true. And so it's got, you know, like murder trials, family history. You're like, right. God damn, what is this? You know, did I did I get the wrong guy convicted? <laughs> like, it's yeah, a lot. It's, it's real. A whole lot. So that's basically what Ghostface was talking about, saying you have a history of getting the wrong guy. Right. You know, now we just need them to flash on a picture of Sydney testifying in court. against. <laughs> 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 yeah. So at breakfast, Dewey says Billy was released because his phone did not make those calls. Dewey then takes Sydney and Tatum to school and helps her avoid the media that's waiting for her. Yeah. And he does a better job of it this time around. Yes. <laughs> but interestingly, the reporter that stops them when they get out of the car and accosts Sydney or at least attempts to is played by Linda Blair. Yes. In a cameo role. She's like, the people have a right to know. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Just came out of nowhere. But it's. It kind of 
falls into everything going on in this movie of all the they're paying tribute to like every so great much. horror yeah. film ever and so why not have Linda Blair actually show up say one line yeah <laughs> So Sydney sees Gail applying makeup in her news truck and they talk. She basically criticizes her coverage of Maureen's murder. And it turns out that Gail actually thinks Cotton was innocent of the murder and she's actually been in touch with him. Yeah. It sounds like Cotton was convicted on flimsy evidence. Sydney saw someone leaving her house wearing Cotton's jacket, said it was him, and he got convicted on that alone. But now it seems like she's having doubts. Yeah. So now Gail has a brand new angle on the story. She's like, okay, so here's the deal. Cotton's innocent. Killer's on the loose. Maybe it's connected to the murders of Casey and Steve. And so she's trying to figure out this brand new news story to make an even bigger name for herself. Right. Literally only to make a bigger name for yeah, herself. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up because she's like, we could get an innocent man out of jail. And her cameraman's like, yeah. And she's like, you know what that would do for my book sales? And he's like, damn it, you're just... You are almost you human. No heart. <laughs> yeah. So inside the school, Sydney asks Stu if Billy hates her for having him arrested. And Stu's like, no, his heart's just broken. It's like, okay. (laughs) But the conversation gets broken up when a random student just runs through the halls in a ghost face costume, screaming. (laughs) What's funny is literally you see him coming from a mile away, but when he goes up to Sydney, she's like, (gasps) yeah. (laughs) And it seems like he got louder at Sydney specifically. So obviously she gets a little overwhelmed by this and she tries to leave. She runs away. She does. She does flat out run away. No. And she bumps into Billy. She apologizes to him for everything, but they get into this weird argument with a lot of awkward. Okay. (laughs) But even before that, I think she says that she got another call last night and he's like, see, it couldn't have been me. I was in jail, remember? And shows his hand. Where he got fingerprinted, he's like, see. But it's still dirty. Like, did what, you, you not wash, wash your hands? It's like, yeah, don't touch uh, me. I, I can tell you from personal experience, you are given a bar of soap and told to wash your hands. From the fingerprint? <laughs> no, yeah. After you're done, it's the soap's right there. There's a sink. Go wash your hands. Well, Billy wasn't listening because his no. hand was filthy. <laughs> Nobody taught him how to wash yeah, his hands, apparently. something. <laughs> but Billy is trying to talk to her still wasn't it about the sex situation yeah it, that's Very what i was too. oh my god he's still worried <laughs> yeah. about he's sex. like so he's when like, are we gonna bang right. he's like i and got arrested and I'm, I'm innocent exactly yeah right. you gonna screw me now and like, you're right but then she's like billy i i nearly got filleted last night <laughs> it's like who, so does that mean no who? That, who, yeah. yeah who would say that but then billy's like you know Basically, because she's saying, you know, she's still in a weird place emotionally and mentally because her mother died last year. In a really horrible way. It's very fresh. And then Billy's like, look, you know, when my dad and my mom divorced, it was bad, but I moved on. And (laughs) we get some really bad lines from Sydney here. She goes, Billy, is your... Is your brain leaking? <laughs> it's like, good <laughs> lord. And then she goes, that's different. Your mother left your father. She's not lying in a coffin somewhere, which is a very odd way to describe it's someone like, being yeah. You don't know where yeah. your mom is? They never where told us. Buried. They never told us. Lying in a coffin. <laughs> it's so, it's just awkward. It's really bad. It's down to the writing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just not they great. They did the best with what they were given. I think. Mm. I will tell you, whenever she storms off and goes into the bathroom, this is when I realize I'm like, okay, look, 
Kevin Williamson seems to love writing like teenage drama. It feels like some WB or yeah, it does. CW, I guess yeah. now, shit. But I feel like his writing really shines when he's deconstructing horror. This stuff is like window dressing that... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know if that needs to be there. So in the next scene... We see Principal Hembry scolding the kids who are running around in the ghost face costumes. But he's wildly inappropriate. Dude, it is unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. At first he says, you know what, you're expelled. Right. And they're like, oh man, that's not fair. And he's like, fair? <laughs> he says fair would be to basically gut you and hang you from a tree. Okay, so are we suspecting Henry Winkler at this point? I think point? so. I think this is another, they're like, it could be the principal. Yeah. Well, he's when, waving scissors yeah, around. Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah. I was like, man, that dude's pissed. But now I'm like, we're supposed to be like, yes. maybe the principal is killing these kids. Come on. Mm-hmm. The Fonz, really? <laughs> It's too cool, man. (laughs) So the scene ends kind of abruptly, and we're taken to Sydney, and she's going to the bathroom trying to collect herself. Girls talking shit in the bathroom cliche. And they're talking some shit. It's a little, it's much, (laughs) I would say. But they, they're suspecting that actually, no, Sydney might be the killer. And they're saying that the trauma from what she went through the last year basically drove her to do this and she's doing it for yeah. attention, blah, 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 blah. And this is coming from a 30-year-old high school cheerleader. Hey, yeah, she's Thank not- you. <laughs> that, see, that's what I was saying. Like, as, as this movie goes on and you see more and more people, it More and more kids. Took, kids. Yeah. Yes, kids with Quote, air unquote. quotes. Yes. It almost took me out of it. Right. Like, I was like, oh, man, I know it's a movie, but, but it's like, damn, these. you guys look old. I read that that cheerleader was Skeet Ulrich's girlfriend at the time. I'm Still, assuming if yeah. she's age appropriate, yeah, she's pushing 30. Right. They're just. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell. They're so stereotypical in like 90s. It's just not good. Yeah. It's not a good scene. I mean, well, the one mean girl, girl. kind of defended her. Kind of. Where do you adult. get this shit? Yeah. No, but she's like, you're pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was real bad. But Sydney hears somebody in one of the stalls after these after the girls, girls leave. leave yeah. And she looks and she sees a pair of boots descend from the seat. It makes no sense for him to be in here. <laughs> How long he had well, that's been what waiting I'm saying. Well, but my... Let alone hiding. Yeah. I don't think this is Ghostface. The real one, and I'll I'll tell you Ooh, I'll tell a, you something because those kids see, were running around in the costumes. Exactly. Whenever you, the gown drapes over the boots, and you're like, "Oh, it's Ghostface," and then he tries to get her, he bursts out of the stall and rushes for her, and she escapes. But he doesn't have a knife. He never has a knife in this scene. And so, to me, I feel like this would have flowed a lot better if, if it this, was before. Exactly. And yeah. then the scene with the principal comes after. Damn, I think that's that would have worked. Because I'm like, there's no reason for him to be in there. But even so, why didn't he jump out at the cheerleader and her friend? Because it's all about, it's all Sydney all it's the all time, Sydney. man. Yeah, waiting for her. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, she coming pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Damn, I've been into this yeah. Dude, and that, those toilets are fucking filthy. I don't know if you saw. Oh, like the floor? Uh, I guess the girls just shit on the floor at Woodsboro. Oh, God. It's disgusting. Where's the janitor? <laughs> Can we talk about the, the fucking slide when she's leaving? Oh, the yeah. Too fast. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
So in the next scene, Gale is flirting with Dewey a little bit, but it's kind of just to exploit his stupidity and get some information from him. But he's so dumb and adorable. It's very sad because you're like, this dude's so nice and he's genuine and he's, you know... Again, this role could not have been a musclehead type situation. No. It's perfect the way it is. And the way they play off of each other is great. You know, as everybody knows, the story is they actually met on the set of this movie, got married, eventually, unfortunately, got I divorced. Know, that was sad. But I thought they were a, a great couple. Yes. Especially as the series goes on. So they overhear on the intercom that Hembry is suspending all classes and the student body is there for it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> So Sydney and Tatum are walking out and Stu catches up with them. He basically tells them that they should have a party to celebrate the fact that school is canceled. They're having the party because Stu's parents have gone out of town, which if there's a murderer on the loose, why would you go out of town and leave your kid by themselves? It's yeah, it makes no sense. No, at least when Sydney's dad went out of town, he didn't know about the murders yet. Yeah, but they're like, all right, no, you'll be fine. (laughs) Bye, Stu. (laughs) Yeah. So we then see Principal Hembry in his office trying on the ghost face mask and like scaring himself with it. And then he hears a noise outside that actually scares him. (laughs) So he goes out to investigate, but finds nothing but the janitor mopping the floor. Now the janitor, of course, is played by Wes Craven wearing a Freddy Krueger style sweater. Which I read was the actual sweater from the no film. Shit. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. Cool. That's, that's really cool. He calls him Fred as well. Of course. So it's pretty great cameo. It's also in the scene when he gets back into his office that I noticed there's some kind of fisheye lens thing going on. Thank you. I told her too. I said, He was Why like, do you it? see that? Yeah. It's disorienting. Yes. It is. Yes. It is. And it must have happened before. I didn't catch it until this moment, but it happens oh a lot later God. on. And I got to tell you, I'm not a big fan no. of it. No. Yeah. It's something I never noticed as a kid, but this time around, I was like, ugh. I don't, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Not. It kind of takes you out of it. It does. But when he gets back into his office, he's promptly murdered by Ghostface. <laughs> like, they waste <laughs> no time. But after he scares himself again he in does. the mirror. He does. And he had so much clothes in his closet. Like, he no, lives he it. No, he did. I, I read on IMDb that he had Fonzie's actual leather jacket in that closet. That's hey. amazing. So that's pretty funny. Hey. <laughs> the thing is, too, it's like, he's the only one there. Of course, the janitor. Yeah. But the teachers all left. Uh-huh. All the you, know, you want us to believe that that everybody already took off and left him there by himself. Yeah, school just let out. It literally, yeah. yeah it just All let the out. teachers Everybody's are like, "Well, gone. fuck it, I'm leaving right. too." Right. Peace. We're yeah. not grading any papers or nothing. <laughs> this is the scene though that Bob Weinstein said, "There's been 30 pages and no one has died. Someone needs to die right here." So they shoehorned huh. the principal's death in bo- to fulfill a kill count or a kill frequency or some shit. I just don't shit. like producers meddling. Yeah, no. That- I hate the Weinsteins. Oh, duh. Everybody hates yeah. the Weinsteins, but this is just another reason to. It's I a small like, reason to compared to the other reasons. There hasn't yeah. been a death in 30 pa- Like. Ghostface doesn't kill. Why would yeah, he kill the principal? Yeah, That's not. Why? What did he have to do with anything? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. I, unless it's like, a, oh, you thought it was him, psych. But yeah. we didn't yeah, think it was him until yeah, ten minutes not ago. Really, yeah. It's I no, I don't know. There is one cool shot in this. Well, first of all, as he's being stabbed, he screams way too much. <laughs> it's a little over the top. But again, if I got stabbed, I'd probably scream a lot too. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he's sitting there yelling while he's getting the murdered. The janitor's like... Yeah, and nobody's... What's he, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, screw Fucking that guy. Principal. Yeah, yeah. Right, screw I that I want to go home too. Yeah. yeah. 
But there's a cool shot when he's dying and there's a really close up shot of his eye and you see Ghostface in his actual yeah. eye and it looks pretty neat. I did read that shot alone took two hours to film. Oh my God. Just insane. So we then see Tatum and Sydney standing outside. I guess this is the Tatum's amazing house. I, I just can't believe this neighborhood. It's insane. Yeah. But they're talking about Maureen Prescott's possible infidelity. And I never really paid attention to this when I was younger. No, I literally wrote down, I didn't get any of this stuff as a kid. No, because Tatum is like trying to as tactfully as possible be like, look, she people might. have kind of always said no, this yeah. about your mom, yeah. even before. I didn't understand what no. this was. I was like, get to the like slashing <laughs> or whatever. I want someone to die. <laughs> when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> you know? But it's good. It adds yeah. depth. I love because it. Because it's like, fuck, maybe he didn't. Maybe yeah. she did put this on the wrong guy. Yeah. And that's what she's starting to think, actually. And then Tatum's like, you're starting to sound like you're from some Wes Carpenter flick. Yeah. Which is <laughs> ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. It's a, it's on the line for me, but I'll allow it. At the end of the scene, <laughs> we, see, too much. we see Ghostface lurking around in the bushes very far away. There's no oh way. Oh my God. There's no way he could have heard any of this, but for some reason he's just like. In full costume. In full like it's costume. too much. It's so, too much. Is this where Signs got that little alien going through the bushes from? <laughs> like it worked for Scream. Yeah, it was like, come on, that I, was just. It was it was a little much. But in the next scene, Stu goes to the video store to invite Randy to his party. They debate Billy and whether or not he could be the killer. It's a very meta conversation about horror tropes. Yeah, and suspecting the boyfriend. It's great, and it's, Billy is also like right there. He is. Like, they're, they're talking, talking. <laughs> like at him, basically, <laughs> as he's talking to a couple of other yeah, girls, which is like, hey, great, with other girls. great yes, look, Bill. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Stu posits that it might be Sydney's father because they can't find him. And then Randy loses his mind <laughs> very loudly saying everyone could be a suspect. Then he's like, but I still think it's Billy. And as he turns <laughs> around... <laughs> Billy's right there, like, basically. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, what about you? Yeah. And he gives all the reasons that Randy could potentially be the killer. This whodunit is growing. Yeah. And it's funny because Randy's just like, yeah, you're totally right. I could totally... It could be me. I could totally be the killer. <laughs> I don't know. Because he's like, I'm not trying to get my ass kicked at work. No, for sure. And so he's like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, whatever. Before... <laughs> He gets the shit scared out of him by Billy. It's like clear that Randy has feelings for Sydney. Oh, he's totally, yeah. So, of course, he's going to suspect Billy. Yeah. Because he's would, like, get him out of the picture. Yes, he's well, a murderer. Where's, where's you don't anybody want this, else dude? when he's screaming his head off about this? No, I don't know. No, yeah, even the customers stop, like, what is They're this like, guy yelling damn. about? Yeah. Nobody does anything. Nobody, yeah. no manager, no other corner. Nope. Like, hey. Sure. That's yeah. enough. Or what about when Billy's like holding him by the shirt? Nobody's like, hey, let him go. Right, right. I'm like, yeah, fuck Randy. He, right. What's Malibu's care. most wanted yelling about <laughs> oh, over no. there? Like, Shut that kid up. Yeah. So in the next scene, we see businesses closing early to comply with the new curfew. But this is the second time we hear Red Right Hand by Nick yes. Cave in the Bad Seeds. This time we actually hear Nick Cave, his voice. And it's just fucking perfect, man. It's so good. Agreed. The thing is, is that the score of the movie, like I said, I don't think there's anything really special about it. But the use so of the song. The use of the songs, especially Red Right Hand, are very welcome. And I really appreciate it. But we see Dewey, Sydney, and Tatum drive up to the police station. 
and the girls go off to shop while Dewey checks in with the sheriff. At the store, Sydney talks about Billy and how patient he's been with her about all the sex stuff. And she says, <laughs> yeah, please. How many guys would put up with a girlfriend who's sexually anorexic? And I'm like, eh, that's not a, that's not a good thing. line. It's so bad. It's not. It's like stick to the horror deconstruction, not the <laughs> but the funny part of the scene <laughs> is that as they walk by, we see Ghostface stalking them again in the grocery store through the door of the freezer section. In full costume. In full costume. <laughs> Nobody's like, What's this? Sir. Dude, uh. it, it's been on the news, the costume. The, the cops that lady know about showed it. The, yeah. the face. It's oh man, too much. Too much ghost face at this point. <laughs> was was he like, hey, look, we're being weighed down by all this teen bullshit. I got to remind him I'm here. Zing, uh, right. yeah. So Dewey finds out from the sheriff that the phone calls have been coming from Sydney's father's phone and that tomorrow is, in fact, the one year anniversary of his wife's death. He drops his cigarette, the sheriff, and then he steps it out. I, I But there's a close to make this up on too. his boots and his boots are the exact same boots that Sydney saw in the restroom that the ghost face in the restroom was wearing. Yeah. So it's like, are we supposed to believe it's the sheriff, the sheriff could potentially right, be right. the killer? Massive whodunit. And so that night, Dewey drops Sydney and Tatum off at Stu's house. I, I do want to say, again, from experience, I've never taken food <laughs> to a high school party. Well, Stu literally told them earlier, you bring the food. He did. We were worried about beer and drugs. We didn't care about food. If you had food, food in your house, we're going to eat it. I mean, it's, But we're not going to bring food and be like, oh, I got the munchies. Let's just eat. No, we're going to get them later. Right. And then we're going to tear your refrigerator apart. So you're not going to bake a cake like Hereditary no, either. No, yeah, even that. Yeah, no. It's a little we're not, much. We're not chopping up two pounds of nuts just to throw in a fucking cake and so the party is way larger than we were led to believe because yeah. Stu said it was going to be like a quiet affair he goes yeah. as long not. as tatum doesn't tell everyone i guess tatum put an ad in the paper <laughs> she told the whole fucking town because everybody's there yeah gail and her cameraman are setting up shop in their news van outside the party but they're discovered by dewey and he tells them you know there's not much really a story here it's just some kids blowing off some steam right. having a party and so he's like hey you know i'm gonna go inside check it out keep an eye on things do you want to come with me? And so Gail joins him and she covertly grabs a very small camera from Kenny to plant in the house while they do their walkthrough. Yeah. So inside the party, they're trying to figure out what film they want to watch and the doorbell rings. Stu gets up to go get the door and he asks Tatum to go get some more beers. At the door was Dewey and Gail who walked through the party. Dewey. Oh, what? With the, the kid? kid? Yeah. yeah. He takes a beer from a kid and then he's like, no, nah, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> That made me laugh out loud. No, it's great. Nah, I'm just playing. Here you go. Tatum scolds Dewey for bringing Gail into the party, and he's like, she's, she's with, with me. me. <laughs> it's and, so cute. And she tells him to leave. While Gail is planning the camera, though, Dewey tells Sydney that they still haven't found her father. So that's still a thing that's hanging over everybody's head at the moment. So in the garage, which the is clearly freezing... <laughs> It's clearly freezing in that garage. Tatum goes and she grabs the beers that Stu asked for. She grabs a few, but then some random tools get knocked over by a cat. Why were there eggs in that 
garage fridge i don't know typically you that's not that's no. in the house take yes. it in the house and it's a cheap jump scare when the tools fall over with the cat it's like is that their cat or it's just some cat? orange cat that found his way in but it there's that hole in the garage that the cat escapes out of so it could have just wandered in there's no lock <laughs> He's like, oh, sure, cool garage where they keep eggs in the fridge. Yeah, I'm getting it. Hell yeah. It's all for me. So Tatum has the beers and she goes to the door, but the door is locked and then the lights go out. And so she opens up the garage door because, you know, I'll just go out that way, go around. As she's making her way, the garage door starts to close. She turns around and it's Ghostface himself working the door. (laughs) And she's like, oh, Randy. Why does she assume (laughs) that's Randy? I don't understand. So she's really playful with him up until he grabs her arm and then slices, slices it. Slices it, And she's it, like, all right, yeah. maybe <laughs> wrong stance. Randy wouldn't do that. Yeah, no. So she hits him with a freezer door, and then she starts hucking beer bottles no, at him. No, she's fucking fighting like a no, champ. No, she is. And this is the part that made me laugh, because he's taking those beer bottles like, what's the opposite of a champion? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, God. Like, he's like... I think this is the scene where he's actively screaming and grunting. Yes, when he it's it. it's comical. Like he's not your typical slasher at all. But if somebody's attacking you, you're right there, wouldn't you? Help! Of course, somebody help. Not no, one. no, not at all. Not one. She's like, oh, I'll handle this. Yeah, no, I don't want to interrupt that's... the party. They're having fun. Right. I don't no, want no, even buzz kill. Buzz kill. Yeah. So she decides that she's gonna try to escape through the pet door that she saw the cat leave from before. But she gets stuck and then Ghostface opens the garage door with her inside that little pet door and she gets her head smashed when the door meets the house. When I was a kid, that was the craziest fucking shit in the world. No, yeah, I was like holding my head like, oh. And also Rose McGowan was so small that she kept falling out of the pet door. (laughs) So she was clearly small enough to fit through there. Right. I thought that too. And she was so small that they stapled her shirt to the side so of the garage like... so that she would appear to be stuck because she kept going through. Question, could they have made the hole smaller then? <laughs> Why not just do that? Oh, yeah. Because watching it I now, I'm like, girl, you could have fit through there. Yeah. Like, she clearly no, yeah. could have fit through there. It's like the old Titanic thing. <laughs> yes, there was enough room on that goddamn door. <laughs> so her head gets smashed and it kills her and it also shorts out the electricity only in the garage. <laughs> The because the music's still blaring inside the house and Ghostface walks back into the party as Ghostface and <laughs> nobody seems to have a problem is, with what's that up, y'all? Yeah. there's a blindness in this town uh, because nobody is. fucking nobody seems cares. to see him so back inside Sydney's ready to leave but she can't find Tatum Billy then jump scares the shit out of them which is a very ridiculous way and it's such it's from everything going on right now it is, is in this, really poor taste yeah <laughs> let me scare the shit out of the girlfriend I'm trying to have a serious conversation with he and, literally yeah. runs in and goes, blah! He does. It's it's ridiculous. So Billy and Sydney walk upstairs. Randy is absolutely bummed to see the two of them leaving together. Again, poor but Randy. But then he ends the scene by saying, I'm going to go check on them. So now we have to believe it's that Randy's Randy. the killer. So Gail and Kenny are watching the feed from the truck with the camera that they've set up, but they realize that there's a 30-second delay. Then Gail muses, she's like, has a tabloid journalist ever won a Pulitzer? It's like, why the fuck do you think <laughs> you're going to win anything? You just set a camera in a house. She's really excited. That, that camera is kind of big, though. And it, then if it you're, was, everybody would have yeah, seen it. And, yeah, and if you're looking at the TV, it's right on top of the VCR. Did she not put it right there, right? <laughs> you would have seen it. No, yeah, yeah. you would have seen it. Yeah. 
So Billy and Sydney are upstairs and they're talking through their issues through somewhat clunky dialogue. Yeah, and I love when a movie's like, this isn't a movie, this is my life. Oh, God, I hate that so much, dude. It's it's cringy because it reminds you that it is a movie. Oh, wait, this yeah. is a movie. No, oh, I can't it, escape it. my life. <laughs> <laughs> so Sydney decides, well... She awkwardly says, because they're holding each other, and she's like, why can't my life be like a Meg Ryan, what, romantic comedy? And she goes, or a good porno. And Bill's like, what? What was that last part? Just the last part. Could you repeat that again? And she's like, you heard me. Well, it's like, now is the time that you pick, like... Yes, after everything. And then, very awkwardly, he has his hand on her face, and she specifically kisses his thumb. (laughs) (laughs) And... They decide it's time to get Now's down the time. with the get down. Downstairs, the party goers are watching John Carpenter's Halloween. I want a group of friends like this yes, that will just like where, sit and watch Halloween. Where is this group? I've been searching for them all my life. But in watching this movie, they're setting up one of the most iconic scenes in the film where Randy explains the rules for surviving a horror movie. Yes. Again, very meta. He says, rule one, you can never have sex. Boo! Yeah, <laughs> everybody's yeah. very upset. Everyone's very upset about that. He says, rule two, you can never drink or do drugs. Boo! And then he takes a sip of his beer. Right. <laughs> because these kids. Exactly. Right. They didn't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so rule three, you never ever say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be. Stu breaks the last rule and tells them, I'll, I'll be, be right, right back. back. And then Randy goes, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. And I'm like, oh shit, Randy's the killer. <laughs> Randy's gonna fucking like, he's kill gonna Stu. murder Stu. So Gail and her cameraman are still watching the feed, but they're interrupted by Dewey, who says they've got a call on the radio about an abandoned car in the bushes, and he asks her if she wants to check it out. She agrees. As she's closing the door, we get some really bad ADR. Horrible. I'm so glad you noticed it too. What she says is be right back. But her mouth clearly says, keep watching. Yes. I didn't catch that until your sister said so something. So I, I had to rewind it. It's ridiculous. I was like, her mouth didn't fucking say that. My question is, did they change it to fit with the I'll be right back I thing that was so, just said? Because they're like, Or I did want... they change it so that Dewey's not like, keep watching what? Yeah. <laughs> but she could have just mouthed it. That's because true. Because Kenny was looking right at her. I do right, think they right. change it for that reason. It's really bad, though. Because now you're like, oh, Gail's a candidate because it's... she just broke that rule. Yeah. And so I guess it adds tension to the scenes of them outside from that point forward. Right. Because she broke the rule. But then when they're going to check out the car, Dewey's like, I thought maybe we'd walk. And he says it in such a fucking creepy way. Because I think that now they're also Dewey, trying to set yeah, up Dewey. It, but it's out of nowhere. He's been the like lovable goof the whole movie. And then now he's like, now with a cape. <laughs> like yeah. Dracula. <laughs> he says yeah. it's so out of character and like creepy. It's... It was funny. No, yeah. Some of these red herrings work, some of them don't. (laughs) So the party is getting smaller and smaller as the guests are starting to leave. There's an interesting interplay upstairs and downstairs because while they're commenting on what's going on on Halloween, their commentary fits perfectly with the shots they're showing of Billy and Sydney fooling around upstairs. Right. Thought it was pretty interesting. But the phone rings and Randy answers it. I'm not sure who it is. That was my question. Who is this? I would like to know. And when he gets off the phone, he doesn't even say bye. No. Oh, well, nobody does in movies. I don't know why. True, but who was calling him? Everybody's here. Uh, yeah. Every, Everybody you know yeah. is in the house. Is it? Hey, this is the school. We're just calling every student. <laughs> but they tell him that 
Principal Hembry was murdered and that his gutted body is hanging from the goalpost at the football field. So naturally everyone's like, let's go check it out. Yeah, yeah which is horrible. Like, they're very excited about this. I'm like, Fonzie's dead. Yeah, <laughs> Poor right. Fonzie. Aww. Yeah. So they leave, which leaves Randy on his own in the house to finish Halloween, I guess. A music cue from Halloween plays here. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. it's that. it's pretty good. So Dewey and Gail are continuing their semi-romantic walk on the way to the abandoned car, and they're flirting, and it's very sweet. It's cute. They have very really good chemistry. They almost get hit by those speeding cars, though. And Dewey goes, "Slow down!" Like yeah, they, like they, like they can hear. Yeah, they no, can't sure. hear you, dude. And. So he pulls Gale to safety, but in doing so, they kind of roll into of a ditch. Of course they do. And they roll on top of each other. Of course yeah. they do. And then they kiss. And of there's, course they do. She turns and she sees a car just abandoned, but she says, is that what you've been looking for? And Dewey thinks that she's talking about <laughs> yeah. her. And he goes, my whole life. <laughs> it's very, very sweet. I, I don't mind it at all. But... As they're looking at the car, they get up and look around and they realize that the car belongs to Sydney's father, so they rush back to the house. Sydney and Billy are getting dressed upstairs and Sydney asks him, she's like, hey, who was your one phone call whenever you were in jail? Why is it important now? It literally doesn't matter. Of course, after they sleep with each you other. You gave it up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Wait, one more thing. Yeah. Like, what are, you probably should ask that maybe when before. you're talking about Meg Ryan movies and shit. <laughs> but he's like, oh, I called my dad. And she's like, you know, I just it's kind of funny that uh, <laughs> I saw the sheriff call your dad. And so he's like, fucking hell, what do I have to do to prove to you that I'm not the killer? And he's asking her, but as, as he's asking her, Ghostface creeps in and she's like, Dewey, mm. <laughs> no, Dewey, knock it off. No, not Dewey. Fuck. Uh, Fucking, what's his name? What's his name? Billy. Billy. <laughs> and You got there. Thank you. Uh, I needed help. But Ghostface stabs the shit out of him and he turns around covered in blood and very dramatically collapses on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow Sydney has blood on her. I, it. Well, he flung his arm. I guess it. I don't know. Trailed. And then, oh yeah, as I he's dramatically that, yeah. flinging himself onto the bed, Ghostface wipes off the knife with his hand. Mm -hmm. Then we look at Sydney. Then we look back at Ghostface, and he wipes the blood off the knife with his hand. <laughs> it was dirty. <laughs> it needed more than one wipe. Sometimes you need more than one wipe. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So. Sydney makes it out of the room, but somehow is confronted by Ghostface as she tries to make it downstairs. It's like, who designed this house? Because it, <laughs> yeah, that no, room leads. Shit. I don't understand how this house works. It's a maze. Yeah. So Sydney goes back upstairs. It looks like an attic that she finds her way into. Yeah. It's the top floor of the house. But how does Randy hear nothing? He's really into this movie. <laughs> he yeah. Has to be. <laughs> he hears he loves nothing. It. Hey, Halloween's a classic. What can I say? <laughs> So when she's inside, she blocks the door with a surfboard. So she crawls out the window and she's holding onto the ledge. I don't know what she expects <laughs> to happen <laughs> because Ghostface is right on her trail. He grabs her arm, but then lets her go. And it sends her falling three floors into the back of a boat that's parked in the driveway. That looked painful. Instead of screaming about her back being broken, she just stands right yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, no. I bet that would have hurt like Absolutely. a motherfucker. There's no way. Falling. My brother-in-law used to have a boat. Uh -huh. And if I were to... Seeing the way that thing was, there's no way. No. Yeah, she there's falls no flat way. Back yeah. First. No, yeah. 
But she looks back up at the window and no one's there. Of course. And then she looks down and she sees Tatum's corpse all hung up in the garage door. Yeah. Doesn't scream though. Just like, damn it, like, another oh. one? Yeah. Like, fuck. <laughs> They've screamed for so much less in this movie. But... <laughs> Her best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. nah, that sucks. Sorry, Tatum. So inside the house, Randy is watching Halloween by himself and he's on the couch and he's clearly drunk. Right, which confused me because they sent Tatum, right? Yeah. They sent her to get the beer. She's been dead for how long now? And didn't <laughs> like, come back. No. Never came Nobody back went beer. to go and get any more. No. Because if somebody would have, they would have seen her dead in the garage door. Uh-huh. So what are you drunk off of? I don't know. What were you <laughs> drinking? Where did you get this beer? Where did you... And another thing, so many people left the party, but nobody went by the garage door? Yeah. Oh, no, no yeah. Shit. I didn't even think about that. They all left that? out the front. Yeah. Everybody. And it was they exclusive. Were all, they really wanted to go see the principal. Nobody was yeah, looking nobody. around. Nope. They had one a, track mind. They made a beeline. <laughs> but we get this really cool meta yes. moment because Randy, as we said before, is played by Jamie Kennedy. He's watching Laurie Strode on Halloween, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, being stalked by Michael Myers. So he's like, watch out, Jamie. Behind you know he's you, around. Jamie. Behind you, Jamie. He's right there. It's so good. And while he's saying this, Ghostface is behind him. Yes. And so it's just a really cool little meta moment. But Ghostface gets distracted when he hears Sydney scream outside. Sydney's made it to the news van, and Kenny lets her inside. She tells him Ghostface is in the house, and so he's like, I have the feed here from the camera that they planted. And so they're watching the feed. On the feed, they see Ghostface standing behind Randy, ready to stab him. They're like, ah, oh, watch out, kid. <laughs> and then they remember there's the 30-second delay. Right. And so he looks out at the house and he sees that the door is wide open. Then he looks back at the feed and he sees Ghostface kind of leave the house. And so he turns back to the house and Ghostface is already there with that delay and cuts his throat. He didn't deserve no, any of yeah, this. No. He was just working. Yeah. He handled so much abuse. All the yeah, movie, no the whole kidding. film. And so Sydney slams the door and she escapes through the back of the van. <laughs> but she gets stabbed in the shoulder before she closes the door, which is kind of, it feels like an homage to Halloween because Lori also got stabbed in the shoulder by right. Michael Myers. She crawls out through this little hole in the back of the truck <laughs> and Ghostface tries to go after her and can't fit. No. And literally pounds his fist on the ground like, damn it, it looks so no, funny. It's, it's ridiculous. Foiled again. Like, it looks so funny. Damn you. And, yeah. and can I say, she only had one place to go. Why would he go in through the door she closed, wait for her outside? Yeah. I don't think he wanted her dead. Like, I don't believe it. So... Dewey heads back into the house and he starts to clear the rooms downstairs looking for Sydney's father. Gail goes back to the news van but can't find the cameraman. But she realizes she's standing in blood. A lot. A of lot blood. of blood. So she gets into the van and she tries to call 911, but <laughs> Randy pops up and he's like, What's going on? And she beats the shit out of him with the, <laughs> yeah, phone. With the phone. Again, poor Randy. No, he Jeez. just, yes, it's horrible. So. She tries to drive away, but her windshield's covered in blood, and so she's trying to clean it off. And then as she's driving, the cameraman falls from the roof of the van. So he had to kill this dude. Yeah. Yes. Try to chase Sydney. Put him on the roof. Hoist uh -huh. him up onto yeah. the roof. <laughs> and then go after her. This dude is... <laughs> Ghostface means business. No. Oh, I know. Jeez. But she heads down the road, and then Sydney jumps out into the middle of the road, and she's like, ah, hey. and then so <laughs> Gail like screams and then swerves off the road and then crashes into a tree. <laughs> Real bad. 
So Sydney makes her way back into the house and sees Dewey in the doorway. She calls to him and he replies, but then his legs buckle and it's revealed that he's been stabbed in the back. <laughs> so then he collapses and then Ghostface pops around the corner like, miss me? <laughs> <laughs> and so Sydney gets into Dewey's police cruiser and locks all the doors. But isn't this when she sees him collapse, she goes... Dewey, yes. but her mouth clearly says no. no. Yeah, it, I don't know why they changed that. It's even worse than the Gail Weathers one from yeah, a little bit ago. I don't it's egregious. That. It's yeah. bad. It makes no sense why they did that. But she gets into the cruiser. Unfortunately, Ghostface comically reveals that he has the keys to the cruiser. <laughs> Dramatically. So, yes. So it's like a little cat and mouse game of them. I mean, honestly, it's like whack-a-mole because once the, yeah. the door unlocks, she has to lock it, then it unlocks he, and, and locks it. I'm sorry. you. This dude just ninja vanished. He does. Yeah, he And does. he's unlocking things and he's and you can't look at the rear view mirror or the side mirrors and see where he's at. There's no... It's no. Like, yeah, yeah, there's no... It's but then space. also while he's doing this, the trunk is opening yes. slowly. Yeah. So he's like got eight <laughs> arms. I don't understand how he's doing this. Yeah. But while this is all going on, Sydney tries to get on the radio and she kind of makes contact with the police and right, basically right. tells them what's going on, where she is, but before she gets all that she would like to say out, Ghostface cuts that shit short when he hops into the cruiser with her from the trunk. Right. So Sydney bails from the car and then Ghostface is nowhere in sight. Yeah. <laughs> he's not in the car. He's not Literally outside the car. nowhere. I don't yeah. know how he's doing this. But Randy and Stu come out of nowhere and they're both saying that they found Tatum and that the other one must have killed her and that they need to get out of here. Sydney grabs Dewey's gun from his holster and she tries to keep them both at bay. But then she goes inside and she's like, fuck you both. This is really shitty because for all she knows, she's leaving one of them outside with the, with the killer. Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck, Sydney? <laughs> Sydney <laughs> is worried about Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well. yeah. You're either Prescott or you're Prescott. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Yes. So Billy stumbles down the stairs, apparently still alive, and he gets the gun from Sydney and he opens up the door. Randy bursts inside asking for help. He tells him Stu has gone mad. Billy turns around and says, we all go a little mad sometimes and shoots Randy clearly in the shoulder. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's not a fatal shot, but he does get shot. And Sydney runs over to check on him. And then she runs into Stu, who's holding a voice change device and says, surprise, Sydney. That's right. Two killers. Two? <laughs> Two killers? Two killers? <laughs> yeah. You know, this at the time was unheard Holy of. Holy shit. And then it makes a lot of sense because a lot that we saw, there's no way in hell no. one person could have done this. At all. So you're like, actually, thank you for this. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for making it too. Because it makes the film better. And then yeah. on rewatch, it actually, no joke, you can pinpoint when, who's doing who is what? who yeah. and how everything's right, going right, down. Right. So it's very, very smart. But they do the thing that villains do, and they reveal their entire plan. Yeah. <laughs> and monologue. And yes. Long story short, Billy and Stu say that they're the ones that actually killed Maureen Prescott. They framed Cotton Weary. Turns out Sidney's mother was sleeping with Billy's father, and that's what caused his parents' divorce. That's why his mother left. So all of this was born out of revenge. Yeah. I gotta say... I read that Matthew Lillard wasn't satisfied with his performance in this movie. I read movie. that too, which really is sad. It's upsetting to me because he is fucking fantastic. He's so great. In, in this part of the film specifically, 
and he is goddamn hilarious. No, oh, yeah. And so yeah. much of it is himself. Yes, it's, it's yeah, no, yeah. yeah. It's so good. No, he's he's so great. So Stu says that he has one more piece of the puzzle that he wants to show to Sydney. And he's like, it's a scream, baby. So we finally get Roll credits. Exactly. <laughs> And he pulls Sydney's father out of the closet and he's tied up and gagged. And they explain their plan is to frame Sydney's father for all the murders, then kill him to make it look like he committed suicide. They then take turns stabbing each other to make it look like they're survivors of Sydney's father's serial killing. And what's so funny is that Stu is like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And then Billy stabs him and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, well, they haven't, no, no. He was nowhere near as ready they as he They haven't been he was. stabbed yet, so they're like, <laughs> Billy shit. has. Yeah, oh, that's true. Well, well wait, no, was he? Because he said that the blood was corn syrup and yeah. stuff, the same stuff they used in Carrie. He so did say that. With yeah. The way that it was shot, we never saw the knife going in. That's right, true. Billy. His back was to it. Yeah, so it could have all been a frame job. Well, Stu wasn't ready. No, was he was not. <laughs> and he's bleeding pretty profusely from Billy going a little bit crazy. Billy does have a great line here, though. He's like, movies, movies don't, don't create mm-hmm. psychos. Movies make psychos more, more creative. creative. That's such a good line. And you know Kevin Williamson patting himself on the back for that because that's pretty fantastic. But after some casual stabbing, Stu goes to grab the gun to take care of Mr. Prescott, but realizes it's missing. Out of nowhere, this is when Gail reappears and she has the gun and she explains how the story is going to end. <laughs> so at this point, she's like, you know, basically that she's going to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the background, Sydney goes, I like that ending. And Stu looks at her like, bitch. <laughs> Dude, he does. I laughed out loud. No, because it's, it's ridiculous. He turns around yeah. like, who it's fucking like, asked on, you? Man. So, unfortunately, Gail's very wrong because the safety's still on the gun. Billy very easily knocks her out and just takes the gun back. Very easily. And he put he pulls the gun on her and he's about to shoot her in the head. Right. But before he can make her the top story, Billy and Stu realize <laughs> that Sydney's missing. And so because nobody thought to maybe keep an eye on her nope. or restrain her N- at all. Nope. Just goes into how clumsy Ghostface has been. You're like, oh, it's these jokers. It's these so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the phone rings and Sydney's turned the table on them acting all Ghostface like. Right. And says she's called the police. Again, Matthew Lillard is a scene stealer. Billy's going insane in the background. He's looking for uh, Sydney. Please. <laughs> he's looking for Sydney, but he's cutting up pillows in the other room Couch like she's cushions. hiding yeah. in one of them. So Billy's losing his mind, and Stu is on the phone with Sydney still. And she's like, <laughs> he goes, Did you really call the cops? And she's like, Yeah. And he's like, My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but it works Which, because. And it was Adlib. It was, and it's so good. But he's a fucking kid. Like, he wasn't anticipating it to get not, here. Not at all. So is this when Billy goes back in and he grabs the phone and he starts going off and then he throws the phone yeah. and it hits Stu in the head and he's like, you fucking hit me with the phone, dick. <laughs> Again, another improv Adam. line. Like, Matthew so Lillard. Funny. He's so great well, in damn, these last scenes. he stabbed scenes. him too much. And yeah. Then, yeah. He's, he's also feeling when, all woozy. And then he threw yeah. the phone at him. It's when she asked him what his motive was, and he goes, peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. <laughs> That's when <laughs> he grabbed the phone, yeah. It's so good, it's like, man. man. Everything. It's He's so great no. in this. I feel bad that he thought that. Yes. He's a scene stealer, but... 
Billy's walking through the house looking for Sydney, but he gets distracted by Halloween on the TV. <laughs> As who wouldn't? Come like, on. Yeah, it's a great movie. So Sydney bursts out of a closet in full ghost face costume. Why? I don't know why she's wearing it. Yeah, you. Ha- she had to have found that. And, and put it on. on. I don't yeah. understand, but she stabs Billy with she's an like, umbrella. She's like, this is going to be poetic <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. <laughs> so she stabs him in the chest with an umbrella. And then Stu sees this and he attacks her. Very quickly, Skeet Ulrich had heart surgery when he was a child uh-huh. and has like metal mesh something in his chest. Oh, shit. And when the stuntman came out with that umbrella, it hit the metal in his chest instead of the pad that it was supposed oh. to hit. Oh, and man. so him yelling out in pain and looking surprised is real. Oh. Like he was really <laughs> fucking damn. hurt badly yeah, well, from that. I bet. I can imagine. And Wes Craven's like, keep it in. Well, just keep going. (laughs) It looked real, his reaction. So Stu and Sydney are rolling around on the floor. She eventually gets the upper hand and crushes his head with a television, which also electrocutes him, I guess, because he's just shaking around like the electricity is going through him. (sighs) That's not not how that works. Randy then comes back to life Man. and she's like, oh my God, I thought you were dead. And he's like, I've never been so happy to be a virgin. And then Billy just socks him <laughs> right in the face. Shut up, nerd. Not- <laughs> <laughs> he can't catch a break. Dude, not at all. So Billy's now tussling with Sydney. She puts her fingers in his wound, which to, as a kid, I was like, ah. <laughs> so... Gail is back to life now, and she has the gun, and she shoots <laughs> back Billy. back to life. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. So after she shoots Billy, he falls back, and he seemingly dies very dramatically. <laughs> Just yeah, coughing. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but he's dead. And so Sydney, Gail, and Randy stand over his body, but then Randy's like, hey, be careful. This is the moment when the killer comes back to life. <laughs> And Billy goes, (laughs) (laughs) and so Sydney has the gun now, so she shoots him right in the head. But she goes, not in my movie. But like it did just happen. Yeah, we like it literally happened. Yeah, if she shot him before that, then yeah. 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 But then she also would have been taken in for murder because it's (laughs) a little overkill. So then Sydney's dad pops out of the closet. Like, is anyone gonna untie me, or is this? Oh yeah, I have a dad. Yeah, that's right. And so they run, and Sydney and Randy untie him. The last shot of the film, we see Dewey being taken on a stretcher and put into an ambulance. He's still alive, thankfully. And what's funny is he was supposed to die. Dewey was supposed to be dead. I'm so glad he didn't. Wes Craven was like. We might want him in the sequel. Right, right. So show him, like, he could have died at the hospital or he could have lived. So it's kind of an ambiguous ending for Dewey. Right. But it's like, so a sequel was always in mind, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Because cool. they yeah. laid groundwork for it. And I and love I'm glad, yes. Dewey as a character and especially his dynamic with Gale. Absolutely. The sequels would not have been the same without that. No. But the film ends with Gale reporting on everything that happened that night with a news crew. And then we pan over and we get the shot of the sun rising. Right. And that's the end of the film. So what did you guys think of Scream? It was just okay. Like it really? didn't. Yeah. I, like I said, I think the more I watch it, the more I just find things to pick out of it. Uh-huh. And then it's just still kind of like, like, really? You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I think, like I said at the very beginning, I'm confused. Am I supposed to take this as a real horror movie or am I supposed to take it for what it is? Like a scary movie kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, what do I 
want to lick it. Yeah, it's meant to be I a mix. I know, but I mean, it just doesn't, like, it was just all over the place for me. And it was just kind of like, eh, you know. I love this movie. I agree. And even as an adult, there are a lot more holes than I thought that there were as a child. I still love this movie. Like, for instance, were they trying to kill Sydney when they attacked her at her house? I don't think so. Because that would defeat the whole purpose of the whole anniversary thing and all that? Or right, was it, right. okay, so Stu, you go, you know, rough her up a little bit and then I'll come in and save her and then she definitely won't suspect me. I mean, it was like... It's, it's a lot of misdirection and yeah. it's it's really really neat and it, 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 that's down to the writing yeah and I feel like it leaves it open just enough for you to speculate like how did Steve get on board like in my mind Billy killed Maureen uh-huh and then got Stu on board and was like hey we can you can kill Casey like because I don't she, care you she know what I mean you, man yeah and then it just so it's kind of like it's enough th- to where you can kind of write the story the rest of the story in your mind which is pretty cool without them being in the kitchen like and I wanted to kill that bitch Casey yeah. like because they never do no the, you know all you the other murders or you, did he do all of this just so he can get laid I mean, uh, I he continued after. It's a little too elaborate, I'd yeah. say. It is interesting, though, that when Tatum dies, it's because Stu sent her in there. Yeah. I read that there was a theory that Tatum was in on it, and that's why she was so chill about seeing Ghostface. Mm. But she calls him Randy, though, and that ruins it. Yeah, that's true. Because she would know that yeah, it was either no, Stu or yeah. Billy. Yeah. But she is weirdly chill. She's like, take that off or Sydney will freak. But that's it. Yeah, no. It's great because for me on the rewatch of Scream, you can go back and you see the moments where they would switch off, you know, the moments where everything makes sense. It's just, it's a surprisingly smart movie, I think. With 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 cheese. cheese there's plenty of cheese. Sure. This is not a perfect yeah, movie. Absolutely just, not. I'm like I, like I said at the beginning too. I'm not saying that it's a completely bad movie. Right. But, because it's not. But no. for me, it's just not something that I care to watch. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, like I could I didn't it wouldn't matter to watch this or any of the sequels. Do you respect it for what it did for the genre at the time? Because it kind of revitalized it. I think and then I'll be honest with you, I think at the time I was too young to even kind of pay attention to what was going on. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, I was younger than you, but no, I mean, but no, yeah, in yeah, retrospect, I, yeah, I, I, I do. Like I said, it is what it is, okay. and it did a lot for movies because you see them imitate it, yes, and you yeah. see them use things that they did. So obviously, it did have an effect, and it was good for people to copy it. Oh, well, Scream did it. Let's try that. Yeah, or, you know what I mean. Let's try to replicate what they did or whatever. But it just doesn't, it wasn't for me, like I said, it wasn't for me something that I'm going to want to watch all the time. I get that. I feel like if it wasn't that big of a deal to you when you were growing up, right. I can it, see how someone would watch it and be like, eh, yeah. well, it was but fine. But that goes back yeah. to, too, you guys like Creep Show 1 over Creep Show 2. Yeah, I prefer Creep Show 2. Because it was two. more it's of a staple. Right. A yeah. I prefer it. Two over the first one right. because I watched it more. I mean, again, in, in all of these, it all comes down to personal preference right, right, or right. Yeah. even the amount of nostalgia you have with the movie. It, yeah. It's better for you when objectively you can look at it and be like, that wasn't that good. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I love it, though. Same, yeah. So that brings us into ratings. Unfortunately, I have to go first. <laughs> so when taking everything into account... Including the nostalgia I have for this film, I can't lie. The impact that the film left on the genre, what it meant for the genre at the time, 
the actual enjoyment I get from watching this film and reliving it over and over, the rewatchability factor after you know the ending to go back and see how everything fits in. Definitely. Also taking into account the spotty writing at times but there's also great dialogue with the deconstruction of horror yeah i will say for a cult status somewhat iconic horror film there's not a lot of shots that you can be like you remember that shot no there's really not I i found that odd but taking everything into account i am going to give scream 7.5 red herrings out of 10 and i'm gonna open the floor to you i'm just gonna I guess play it safe and just kind of go in the middle of the road. So I'm going to give it a five red herrings, but only because I'm not going to say that I hate the movie right? or I love it. I just kind of want to stay in the middle with it. Like I said, I will watch it, but I'm going to complain about what's going on. Uh, and I'll say it again. Am I supposed to take this as a serious movie or am I supposed to take this as a gag movie? Right. Because if it comes down to that, I would just watch scary movie. <laughs> Because it has all the same things, but it's making fun of it, and it's like, that's funny. So, But to me, Scream is, like I said, again, Scream is like, it's just a movie. Mm -hmm. But I can't watch Scary Movie if there's no Scream. So I have to. No, no, no. You got to pay respect. So I have to respect it by, and that's what I'm saying. I'm just going to go down the middle of the road. I'm not going to say I hated it. I'm not going to say I loved it. Because obviously it did have an impact on other movies and, you know, the genre and everything that came after it. Mm -hmm. But it just, it didn't have that big of an effect on me, I guess. And even like you saying that, there's no scenes to where you're like, do you remember that? Like you said. So it's like, eh. They have moments, but there's no like shot composition. It's not like The Shining. It's not. No, oh no. Yeah, God no. What about you, Nay? For me. I was very torn between two ratings <laughs> to the point where I was going to flip a coin and I was told to not flip a coin. So yeah. I'm going to have to do fucking exactly what you did and split it down the middle if I'm not allowed to flip a coin. I don't want to give this a seven because I love it so much. Right. And I don't want to give it an eight because is it objectively an eight? No. Yeah. I know that, no, but I love it. The nostalgia. So since I can't flip a coin, <laughs> I'm going to have to also give Scream 7.5 red herrings out of 10 red herrings. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Pod Mortem. What would you rate Scream and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Pod Mortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Remember, if you want to survive a scary movie, always follow the rules. Until next time. Bye.